So I want to talk about money. Sex and power and money. These things that the soul wrestles with in order to deeply come into manifestation and fulfill its purpose. And Venus is the goddess also of money. In fact, her original uh, energy and the words that we use for her, like value and appreciation and interest, have all become terms the financial world uses for money. To appreciate, to truly appreciate as a soul quality, to see beauty, to gaze at the goddess so that she comes out. When you look with the eyes of beauty at a tree, like the tree, all of the David life in the tree comes close to the surface to receive your gaze, your appreciation. The soul power to gaze on the world and call forth its beauty has been prostituted to the chase for money for survival. So this is the power of Venus as she falls into manifestation and she falls down into the sacral center. And the sacral center rules sex and power and money. What is it that we do to earn our living? What is it that we do to earn our life? So one of the things that very practically stops people, even if they get that flow and that being in the zone and that sense of like, like, I know what I'm for. I know that when I am in this place, everything in me lights up and I am backed by power. I'm backed by the soul of the fucking universe. I am not a small I. I am an I that is part of the world soul. I am the I that's part of the cosmic soul. I am the I that's standing up for flow and I have the resources of the universe behind me. That's richness. That's being abundant. But the body-mind I is not an inclusive allied I. It's an exclusive personal I that has to look after itself. And that I tends to grab the resources and play the game of I've got to survive. And you know, somewhere in here, underneath all of the wonderful work of contacting soul and deepening soul purpose, somewhere in here is the crack that actually opens the door for whether or not you actually manifest deeply your soul purpose or not. It's not whether you can contact it. It's not whether it comes through in times of peace and beauty and, and, and edge. It's when it comes through in the nitty-gritty of how you decide to put your energy and attention in the world. What do you appreciate? What do you value truly? So as we do this, I'm going to pass around a couple of things. One of them is um, these beautiful, beautiful pieces of gold. That actually, the, the first time I came to Hyde and, and uh, I lived in a van and I had no money. I'd, I'd been working as a spiritual teacher and I spent 10 years just working for donation. So that was my way of cleansing out my money issues. Before that, I was a fisherman for a while, 
good, you know, and, and work with dolphins and marine biology. And then when my daughter was born, I became a merchant banker, right? I'm going to go and get the resources of the world because I have a child to look after and I deserve it. And so I made hundreds of thousands of dollars in about two years and futures and foreign exchange and, you know, had $10,000 lunches and like money was just this thing to play with. And then, and then I tried to escape with my, 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 you know, resources to now go and do my soul work. And then I woke up in the middle of the night on my Saturn return, 1987, October 19th, rang my broker in New York and opened three contracts the wrong way and the great crash and everything was gone. By the morning, I woke up in the morning, I was broke. Nothing. All of my hundreds of thousands, of, which was a lot of those days, was like gone. And I, after I like took a breath, I felt relief. I felt incredible relief. Because my idea that I could launder that, that I could go and snap all the resources and then somehow turn them into something amazing, um, in its side itself was, was wrong. Because by going to get the resources so that I could then live the life that I wanted to live, I was getting them out of fear. I was getting them out of the very thing that's part of that culture. So in a way, it was just a cleansing. But it was such a beautiful cleansing, I realized that I will never again do anything for the sake of making money. It was such a deep cleanse that, that I could never go that way again. And so from that day, it was like, I will just do what I'm on the fucking planet to do. And if I starve in a fucking, you know, um, back street somewhere, never mind. If I'm rich, never mind. But if I don't do what I came to do, then all of the rest is lost. So, and of course, that began a long journey of, of like having to trust that and having to, to be in the journey of like, okay, so here I am doing what I'm, doing, trusting what's in my core. And what it taught me around money is that most of the people on the planet are still living a lie. It's the same lie they're living with romance and with sex. It's that there's something outside of them, that there's something wrong with something inside of them, and if they can get something outside of them, that that will support that thing inside of them, that they will eventually be able to do what they came to do. It's a form of prostitution of the soul. It's a deep prostitution of the soul. And there's nothing wrong with prostitution. Giving sex for money is no different from prostituting your mind as a lawyer or your, your heart as a psychotherapist or something. When you don't actually, it's not your call but you're doing it because you can do it, and you do it to get the resources to one day really live the thing that you came to do. It doesn't fucking work. It's one of the biggest lies on the planet that has captured whole civilizations. It's a lie. So the most powerful thing you can do around money, first of all, is see through that lie, like truly see through it. Not let the webs come over again, the webs of you know, the stories and, you know, from the body-mind, the fear and everything else, but to see through it so deeply, so clearly, with such a power of the sword of your soul that you know that you do not need to earn a living. The soul does not need to earn a living. The body-mind might have to. The soul does not. And when the soul feels the shame of not being able to live its purpose because the body-mind tells it it's got to make a living, then the soul falls into silence. And yet the soul has its own resources. It has its own inheritance. The soul doesn't need mummy and daddy's wealth. 
The soul has the wealth of the fucking universe behind it if it can find its power. If it can find the black hole at the center of the soul, the soul can demand cosmic electricity from space. The soul can demand the kundalini of, earth, of, of the earth. The soul can demand that if it's standing not alone, but if it's standing for the world's soul in time of crisis, everything in the world belongs to it. Everything in the soul belongs to it. But the body-mind can't use that as a strategy to survive. So a lot of people get the spiritual philosophy of like, oh, well, I just need to trust the universe. The universe will support me. But only if you're truly in soul. And I used to play you know, money meditations with people back you know, 30 years ago when we were working with, get your money, put it on your altar, take 10% or tithe or whatever, put it on your altar and, and say a prayer and do a ritual that this money goes to the forces of the soul in the world, the, the light, you know, whatever it is that was the story then. Most people within six months went broke or <laughs> that money disappeared and they were like complaining, like, what the fuck, you know, like we're doing this practice or whatever. <laughs> and the answer was, well, who said that you were the forces of light? Who said that you were the soul? Like the, always the idea is that we are the ones that actually need it because there is a, there is like a, you know, a holy plan that we're in. And for 30 years, I sat in groups of people with very high ideals who had great plans and they were going to manifest temples and they were going to do, like, you know, sitting around listening to this journey over and over and over and over and over again. And then when it gets to the money, what happens about the money? Well, it's mainly basically somebody knows some rich person, someone knows some person in power, you know, or will put out a crowdfunding or, you know, it will come from somewhere else, somewhere else. And, of course, the, the truth with money is that you, unless you are putting your own resources in alignment with your own soul purpose, you're split inside. There's many people trying to be the soul but not the money. And with spiritual circles around the world, when it comes to money, that's where all of the fear and the grit and the stuff that's unspoken and behind the scenes is because there's so much fear and terror because they've identified with the spiritual part and not the material. So how do we truly cleanse out our own? Never mind the fact that the world is in a huge financial um, crisis. And again, if you want to go to the sword of what's at the core of it, one of the things at the core of it is property ownership. Just the idea that humans can own land that's been around four billion years and, and that somehow owning it, they own, have a title on the little bit of the crust of the surface of land, like how will that ever work? It's like giving little mites on your arm title to that piece of arm that they happen to be scurrying around on. And then they've got, you know, then they can sell that title to another mite. And like, it's just <laughs> bullshit. It's really bullshit. And like, if, if we were going to go to a galactic counselor and say, hey, we seem to have problems on Earth, well, then they'd point out these just few simple things. Like, your whole civilization's based on, on fear. And it's based on security. And it's based on survival. And actually, you're the soul and you have vast power behind you, what are you doing prostituting yourself out of fear that you're not going to survive? Like, what are you doing, really? And what an, what an insult that is to the earth. What an insult. So it's a lack of power of the soul, a lack of the soul's connection with power that makes it by the story of survival. One of the great gifts for me after actually everything failed a number of times is I went to 
live on this island that I now have a stewardship of. And I planted veggies, and I went out and fished, and, and I got water from the sky, and my body started to relax. My animals started to come back online and say, actually, all of this bullshit of sitting in a concrete box in front of a screen doing something in order to make a living, in order to buy food and pay power and pay... It's like, what happened? What happened to us being part of God's universe, friendly universe, that the earth supported us and nourished us and gave us our living? We didn't have to earn it. Actually, it was part of being human in a human body, was that you were part of the earth and the earth supported you and the earth gave you food. If you just did a little bit of appreciation of the earth and planted a few seeds, it's not like a lot of work. The whole civilization of Greece and the Mediterranean arose out of, you know, like, like do a little bit of fishing in the morning, plant a few bit grapes and so on in the afternoon, build the Acropolis. There's a wonderful story in Greece where, they, where there's a, you know, an American comes to Greece and he's, you know, talking to a Greek fisherman and the Greek fisherman's sitting on the beach at about, you know, one in the afternoon and he's like, well, what do you do for a living? And the Greek fisherman, well, I'm a fisherman. He's like, well, what are you doing here? And it's like, well, I got up, I went out this morning, caught some fish, and now I'm, you know, on the beach. And Americans said to him, well, um, why don't you fish all day? Maybe get a couple of boats. And, and the Greek guy thought about it and said, well, well what, what would that do? And then the Americans said, well, you'd make more money. And then he said, well, what would I do if I made more money? He'd be like, well, then you can afford to lay on the beach all afternoon. So it's kind of interesting that Greece is the country that's gone bankrupt. You know, and maybe it's a mutiny of the soul. Maybe it's that part of the Greek soul that's like, fuck you, I ain't learning a living no more. So the huge break in the world is going to be around power and sex and money. One of the great things you can do to claim back your power is reclaim your sexuality. But underneath all of the sexual liberation, which is, you know, removing this tight energy down in our sexual center that says me, mine, and only mine, and nobody else's, and I'm so afraid of this energy that I've got to hoard it, and I've got to have lines of out to many different people so that I can maybe get a little bit, and all of the vampiric energy that happens sexually. Once you release that energy and bring the soul into the sacral center, and you realize that eros is actually everywhere, that the plants and and stars, and eros is alive. There's no, there's no shortage. You don't have to like hold on to your little pieces because you're always going to be able to share eros. But we don't have that yet with money, and even working with people who have done their sexual work. It's like getting into their money, all of a sudden the same fear and shame and guilt comes into the room that used to be there in the sexual, in the early days of doing sexual work. It's like something just starts to contract down here. Uh-oh, talking about money. That's the stuff that actually is really, really where the rubber meets the road. We can do philosophy and heart, and we can do amazing soul gazing and so on, but don't touch my fucking money. Like, leave my money alone. That's survival. So the first thing to do is, like, release the shame and all of the bullshit around it. You know, it's like when you do your accounts every year, all of a sudden that feeling of like, I've been bad comes over you. It's like, you know, like, because the tax return's due and like, did you really use that entertainment money for something? You know, that, that feeling of satin that says, have you been good? Have you been bad? You know? 
And uh, the other thing that I've often done with money is go to people, let's do an audit. Let's do an audit of your life. Okay, so what are all your values? Blah, 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 blah. Get your checkbook out. How do you spend all your money? Like, let's just see whether the values in your spending has anything to do with each other. And most people, actually, they have very little to do with each other. Very little to do. But more and more, they're coming online. They're coming online, so the way we use our money and, the, and our soul are becoming deeply linked. So one of the things I'm going to do is pass around this, which is a, just a simple bit of paper and a pen for you to write your net worth on, if you want to. Your net worth, like how much money you have. Including like investments. Anything. And you know, if you're married and you know, it's not like, oh, it all belongs to my husband or my wife. No, actually, you know, you have half or whatever. Whatever the law says, you have access to. Find out which parts are scurried away somewhere and no, no, I don't include that. And you know, like, but, but just like, what resources what financial resources are available to you in whatever form, just value them. No one's going to go through and check all of this. Um, and then, how much of that genuinely, just feeling into your own heart, is available for your soul purpose? Okay, so, you know, you might have a whole bunch of money that you've put aside for your kid's education and whatever, and is that soul purpose in a way? But I'm talking more specifically you, the, the piece of you as a soul that has a custody of some destiny that, you may or may not know about, how much of your personal resources is available to that? Okay. Currency. Any currency is fine. But um, I'm using New Zealand dollars to start with, so we can use US or American. So, and the purpose of this is not because we want your money. <laughs> the soul of the world, your soul wants your money. So in the old days, you would tithe to a church, or we parked our soul in institutions. We gave, our, we gave the soul, like it's the, soul, the church's job to do the soul work in the world, or the charity's job, or, or you know, something else. It's not our job. We go and give our money to the church, and they, they give it to the poor. But actually, for the Aquarian age, the linking of the lower chakras and the higher happens inside every person. And one of the, the, the transformations I began around money was to, was to give part of my money to my own soul, to my own heart. I just create a reservoir that wasn't around fear and survival and security and, you know, one day, you know, in case I'm old, and, but actually was a positive reservoir, a reservoir for heart and soul and so on. And then watch that reservoir build as more and more money went to it and then watch when that reservoir was called upon consciously. And that's a gradual process of shifting your awareness around money and the way you're using money so that it can flow through you rather than be contracted. And the other thing that happens for many people because we're in a change of civilization is many people, first of all, start a body-mind kind of career driven by the world's you know, encouragement. Like one of the tragedies for young people is the civilization's encouragement to not even look for their soul, not even notice their soul, but just get busy being a lawyer or a doctor or a fucking, you know, whatever, whatever is the society needs right now, whatever's paying the wage or whatever. No consideration of what the fuck we call vocational guidance, but that's got nothing to do with soul work. Deep feeling the person's soul and the inherent gifts that they are. So right at the very beginning, the deepest riches that we have are made null and void by society. 
So how are we expected to open the door of our own riches? So many people bought that and then they got a good job or career or whatever and they did that for a bit. And then they, you know, the only thing worse than not getting what you want is getting what you want. If you actually get what you want, you, you know, successful, you make some money or whatever, then pretty soon it doesn't take you long to realize this ain't fucking it. This ain't it. And then you start to trade your money for soul. You start to go to workshops and so on. It's like using your money to, like, to get back what you lost in your pursuit of the money. Like, if you think about how much waste of time that is on the planet, if we could just bring back soul initiation early into kids to actually help them find what their great gift was. Now we're starting to do it in businesses under the, the guise of use the Enneagram or something to, to see what kind of character structure your staff are and help <coughs> way they learn and access their creativity. It's like a lot of it is great. It's all in the right direction. But a lot of it is just mumbo-jumbo making better prisoners in a system that is imprisoned. Because if you're truly a human resources person and you're really trying to encourage the, the, the creativity of each person, ultimately you get to a point where you'd have to say, well, you should leave now. Like, actually, now that you are accessing your own soul, this is probably not the place for you. So, of course, companies are wanting everybody to access soul up to a point, as long as they stay with enough fear and enough need for survival to be in the corporation. Otherwise, you're liberating them from the workforce. So people go through that process of body-mind work, make a career, get tired of the career, midlife crisis or something, and then they begin their soul work. What a fucking shame that we begin our soul work at 42 or whatever than instead of at 20 or at 10 or at 2, you know? So that's part of the shift in the world. Eventually we won't need to do the prostitute yourself, then go through an awakening, then go to do your soul work. But many of us had to. So then your soul work comes along, and then for a while, your body-mind wants to turn it into an income. Like, and it happens to so many people who pass through the soul door. They're like, okay, so right, I'm not going to now be a, you know, a marketing executive or whatever, but now actually I've found that my soul really wants to sing, and on three or four occasions I've sung in the circle and everybody's felt the vibration of me. Now how can I make a hundred grand a living, you know, how can I transfer all of my mortgage and everything over onto my poor old soul that's only just begun to sound its note and labor it with the, with the responsibility of now paying all my, my bills. So that transition from body, mind to soul in the workplace normally goes through, take two or three years, simplify your life, cut out all debt. Like, you know, this is just the, the message to give those people that you work with that are doing their soul work over decades of working with them. Cut out all debt. Like, go bankrupt if you need to. Like, if, it's, if, it, if you're at the point where your resources, you've, you've stayed in something so long that your soul has got so dead that you can't even get up in the morning and you run up all bills, like, that's what bankruptcy is for. It's to say, clean slate, ain't doing that no more. Get rid of your debt, one way or another, because the debt is what, what drives your adrenals, which drives you to get up in the morning, which drives you. It's the same as being driven by your, your, in your sexuality and your eros by the desire to get. It, it eventually is toxic. So when you really surrender your sexuality to your heart and to your soul, then your sex wells up when it's time to give and to share and to overflow with somebody, not to get. 
So the same with money. If you, if you have lived in a pattern where you have sought from your adrenals and survival, and many people like, like taking great risk financially so they can keep their adrenals going, so they can feel like they're almost not going to survive, so that they're forced, that power, that thrill of being forced into making a living. So getting rid of get debt stops that. Simplify your life. Let your body start to feel the truth that the earth provides for it. Let your body start to feel that. Nourish your body with good food. This is what's going on with the planet with organics and so on. Go to nature, you know, catch a fish, um, grow a veggie. Tell your animal that it's safe here. Then start to give away your soul gift. Don't start to prostitute it to the marketplace too early. Don't start to kind of get your old masculine identity like, okay, so now, because remember everybody had that thing sometime where you probably went to your parent and they really liked it when you thought that you were going to be a lawyer or a doctor, but when you thought, hey, I want to be a musician, like that look on your dad's face, you know, which is like, oh, uh, you know what? You know, your music's good and so on, but you should have a back, whatever. Whatever the story that the world gives us, which is like the peace inside your soul that is, that is connected with this idea that you could bring love and beauty and magic into the world. Uh-oh, that doesn't really work. That's the conventional wisdom. So we don't have soul educators and we don't have people that can say, actually, that piece there, that's the piece. Ride that piece and let's figure out how to make that work. Rather than, no, you know what? Actually, you'd be better off being a lawyer because lawyers are needed at the moment because, you know, because actually lots, most people have lost their integrity, so everything's down to the law courts. So give it away. Find what it is that makes your soul sing and give it away. Become like the sun. So there's a difference between the transactional reality of the body-mind which is a civilization out there which is like, I've got something which I, I will seduce you into thinking is of greater worth than it actually is, okay? Because this is the same with sex. It's like we've got this little game going with the sexuality. It's like, here's the stuff in my shop window. I'm amazing. If you just like hook in with me a little bit, it would be great. But pretty soon, I'll start to flip and, and ask for more. And then the relationship starts to hit the rocks where it's like, I thought there was something amazing here, but now actually I feel like, what have you done for me lately? And who was the power dynamic? So the same in business. In body-mind, that's not connected to soul. It's ramp up your seduction, ramp up your media, you know, get the attention and the appreciation of people focused on you because you can convert attention into money. Um, sell them something that they think they need. Same as we're really clever if we want to hook up with someone sexually, we can pretty well suss out if they've got a daddy wound or a mummy wound or that they've got this or the other. We offer that for a while and then we start to reel it in. The same in the world. Like the, this normal, the civilization normal, like it's just so perverted. It's just so full of transactional manipulation. Even our politicians, it's all, all about the money that's been funded and, and the media and like how they wear a red tie makes more people vote for them. This is like body-mind gone berserk. Seduce the world to believe that you have something that you don't really have, and then get their power and their sex and their money. And basically, if you have sex, you can get money and power. 
to have strong sex appeal. So some people hoard sexual energy. That's their stock and trade, right? Some people hoard money, because if you have money, you can get power and sex. So they hoard their resources, and you know that's more of a, the, the masculine mode. And some people, it's power. Never mind sex and money, go for the power, because if you have power, you can, you can get them both. Okay, so this is, unfortunately, the, it's probably the one area in the world, politics and sex and money, that we have most disillusion with. The idea of governance, like governance used to be a sole art, how to govern. Now it's like it's so in disrepute, nobody even buys it anymore. Hardly any young people go to vote. They can't be revved up by this idea that you can cast one vote, you're making a difference, you know. Cast the vote of the universe, it just says no to it all. That's power. And when you give it away, like the sun, ask for nothing. Accept donation, but don't kind of demand donation. Accept donation, accept return. Because one of the hard things for the soul is self-value. To, to truly have self-value as a soul, which is to say, actually, I've always been the soul underneath. There's always been a part of me that's been loving and giving. I just given it, haven't given it much you know, out attraction. Now I'm focused on that part. It's not martyrdom. You're not being asked to sacrifice, in, like, which is more of a body-mind trick, which is like, I will, I will now pretend to be loving and giving so that I get what I want underneath, you know, and I'll be pissed if you don't actually give it to me because what, even if I really want your validation that I'm loving and giving, you know, it's still bullshit. It's still an exchange. So genuinely give when your heart says and your soul says. Expect nothing, but then the next step is learn to receive. Learn to receive in the same way from somebody else's loving and giving. Because the soul of the world shares. The body-mind of the world is mine and me and mine and transaction between me and mine, but the soul of the world shares. And so often for people, you know, they're becoming a life coach or they're something else and they're giving their, they're giving their work and it's donation. And then often you attract people that have a gift for you. So in the realm of beginning and soul work, then often by giving your work away and by putting out to the universe that you want to develop your soul gifts, you will call in other souls that have a gift for you and you give a gift for them, but you're not transactional. Okay? You're, just in, you're in the flow of mutual giving and mutual sharing. And you start to feel into your heart more, what's the right exchange here? What's the right exchange? And for some person it could be like, that's a free session. And for somebody else it could be like, you know, five grand please. Because actually, you, you valuing this is probably going to be really helpful for you and me. So starting to run money and the heart together. And that can go on for quite a while until, actually, like the sun, you have become so um, useful to your environment, your environment starts to throw money at you. And then how to actually receive that. Mm -hmm. How to receive that and not receive that from... Just the personal self, like, oh, I've got more than I need now. It's like, receive it from the soul, like you're carrying a piece of the soul of the world. And I want all of you to be multimillionaires to the extent that you're souls. Not for your body-mind to be rich, but for the resources of the planet to begin to move towards those who love. At the moment, the resources of the planet are controlled by those who are intelligent and manipulative and use power for control. 
So the amount of resources that the planet actually has to truly serve love is quite small. But we have great powers. The soul of the world has great powers. One of those we did in Switzerland. We went to Switzerland one year with a whole group of us, and we went to the streets and, um, and created a ritual. We just demanded all of the money in the vaults. It's like, come on, Earth Kundalini. Like, Because one of the things the body mind does is it likes to store stuff underground. Pluto, right? Pluto is the plutocrats. They like to store stuff hidden away. But if you can go deeper than the body-mind, the soul of the world can go to the core of the earth. That's underneath all of the vaults, and that's underneath all of the buried treasure. So you can call that energy of the dark mother, like, bring it, break it up. Break it up. And the other thing is that gold and money and resources she, it's the goddess. And the goddess doesn't want to be kept in control by the old patriarchal masculine that's got it guarded away. The goddess wants to flow. So if you start to see money actually as, as a being, then you just need a little, put a little bit of your money in with the other money in the banks and the vaults and so on and let it whisper to the other ones, hey, there's a better place. You can come and be with people, with someone who will flow you, who will push you out in the world with love, who will circulate you, who will, who will honor the goddess. Well, once the goddess gets to hear that there are people like that, she's coming for you. You know, it's the same as the sexual thing. If you, if you truly know how to appreciate the goddess, she will emerge. If you know how to appreciate money, money will come. Okay, but again, it can't be a trick. So I want to pass around a couple of pieces for you. This, this is, um, these are gold coins. And like I said, the first time I came to Haydn, I had nothing. And, you know, somehow the universe managed to provide a benefactor for a few years to say it was possible. And then that went. And, uh, and actually, my first day at Haydn, I went down to the Mary statue and went and slept in the dorms. And this white lady that, that uh, is part of the the magic of the environment of this place came to me that night and just asked me just one question. I was like, will you take financial responsibility for this place? Remember, I was living in a van <laughs> and, um, and I, was, I was struggling. And before I even thought about it, I said yes. So I know that really the 20 years between saying yes then and now have got to do with that. They've got to do with that yes inside me. It has nothing to do with, like, how are you going to do it? Like, what's your business plan, Bruce, and, you know, for <laughs> holding this place? It's got to do with the will of your heart and your soul that says yes to something that you know is yours to say yes to. And that will and that power produces the results, not the clever businessman or the, strat or the clever business plan or the strategy. So that time, it held for three years, the benefactor went, and then part of the, the inner message to me was like, go out into the realm of sex and money and power because that's the realm that actually manifestation happens in. It's wonderful to have spiritual values and really try to ground the soul, but unless you can penetrate those realms in your own nature and in the world of sex and money and power, you're going to be hovering. You're going to be part of the soul of the world that hasn't landed. So what happens in each person and what happened for me is like, okay, so now my soul might have come into my consciousness and into my heart and so on, but has it come truly down into my base? Have I been able to clear out my emotions so they're genuinely serving love? 
and has it cleared out my sexuality so my sexuality is in the service of my soul so that when I fuck the world, when I penetrate the world, I'm not coming from my need for something. I'm coming from the seed of my soul, the purpose of my soul, penetrating the world and seeding the world with what's living inside me as a living vibration. Or is the womb, how is the womb working? And then deeper than the sexual energy and the is the financial energy, which is like, okay, truly, what's my relationship with money? And I got taught really hard on this because I'm a cancer moon and I like to cling. So the universe had to break all of my fingers, really, for me to let go of my need to look after myself and to do it myself and to, and to like, store some nuts for something, you know. And the breaking, really, the breaking of that part of me so that it's like, okay, fuck it. You know, I got all the way down to the last couple of thousand before I finally broke. <laughs> but getting to the point of realizing it wasn't mine anyway. Just like my sex was not mine. It's not my sexuality. It belongs to cosmos. This money is not mine. So breaking the financial piece and then down deeper than the financial piece, which is underneath it, is the fear of death that's in the body. It's in the base center. It's in the unconscious. It's why everybody buys the story and goes to work for a living. It's because they're afraid of dying. And the civilization says if you want to not die, you need to work for the man or do whatever it is that you need to do. So the deeper part, if you really want to anchor the soul and the body, is way down in the base center. It's facing death. And one of the beauties of the old cultures, like wars were that, and you know the indigenous cultures, go face a lion with a spear in your hand and see how you feel. Like All of that is to bring up this lower energies so that you can anchor the soul there instead. You bring up your fear, bring up your terror, bring up your fear of death so that your soul can ground its sword. And now, so what do we do when we have a comfort PC world? Where are those terrors that will force these energies up on us? Well, basically, we have to create them in our own consciousness, in our own mind, in our own relationships, in our own struggles. So I think a lot of the tantric work is to force people who are awakening as souls to deal with their deepest, lowest, darkest fears so that they can make themselves manifest. And if you know that that's what's going on, then instead of thinking there's something gone wrong because your happy life is now being ripped apart and, and your idea of being polyamorous was, you know, was a nice idea, but now you're, you're tearing your own fucking hair out because your partner's engaging someone else and you have turned into a, like a fetal... Um, you know, thing, or it's working and it's flowing and the energy's moving, but can your soul run that energy? Can your soul drop down into it? So this is, um, this is a gold coin that a woman actually, when we first did Haydn, um, we never met and she never talked to me, but she registered the fact that it was happening. And this has happened two or three times since. She registered the fact that it was happening, and she said, I'm sitting on some gold coins that belong to my grandfather that came from the time of the Panama Canal. And I think they belong there. Like, that was her inner impulse 20 years ago. Mm. And so this time, when it was clear that it was grounding or whatever, she sent the coins as part of her, her being a pillar. So it told me two things. One, it told me that 20 years ago, they, all, that, that they wanted to come. 
20 years ago they wanted to come, but then this time they came. So it means that those times when you're standing and you're wondering where the resources are and you don't know where they are or whatever, they're trying to come towards you. They're trying, but they actually need you to sustain your stand for long enough. And something else that relates to that was um, feeling a deep inner call in my inner world back in the late 80s when the Berlin Wall came down and when communism was being challenged. I dreamed like a luminous dream of something coming up from the desert. Um, and, and so I, it was so luminous that I wrote down the details. And then it wasn't until about 2005 I remembered it, I was reading the journal, and I realized it was, it was the desert in Mongolia that I, that I dreamed about. So I did some research, and it turns out that there was a temple being landed there. And so I just felt this call, and I took a piece of greenstone all around New Zealand in my tours, and the greenstone wanted to go to Mongolia. I had this big piece of greenstone. I'm like, all right, we're going to Mongolia. So we went to the Gobi, and this man uh, met us. We had to use a translator. And it turned out that his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather uh, was the, the fifth lord of the Gobi. And he was uh, Mongolia's greatest poet. Called Dunzan Raja, and he was the first one that introduced white and red hat Buddhist lineage there. And he also took woman, the first Tibetan um, Mongolian teacher to take to take Tibetans. He would spend six months of the year walled up in solitude, and then six months in full orgy and traveling the world healing. And so I didn't know about this guy until I met his great descendant. And his descendant was said this told the story that that. This guy buried in the desert 64 trunks full of treasures from this place that he'd set up back in the 16th century called Shambhala Land. And then every grandchild that was born with the moon on their shoulder was pronounced the guardian of these treasures, and their grandfather or grandmother would take them into the desert on every full moon and dig up one box and tell them about each piece of treasure. And this went on for a couple of hundred years. And then in the 1980s, late 1980s, when the communists withdrew, they dug it up and he started to rebuild the temple. And so I heard the story and I gave him this piece of greenstone. And he just wept. And, and his weeping was, was then the story that the lineage that had been left to him was that 24 of these stones would come from around the world. And he had one stone. And the temple, he knew the temple would be complete when these stones arrived. And, and that all of the money to build a temple had to come from, from pure gift. So we'd also, when we did the tour, raised money. So we gave him the green stone and some money. And that was the first stone in that temple that's now almost built. So none of that, they, he didn't have internet, he didn't have, he just had his alignment, his lineage, his trust that build the temple. This is what you're supposed to do. So that tells me that the soul of the world is already busy. It's already busy cooperating with itself. So now Haddon has a reservoir of gold. And she's not just any gold coin. This one is an octahedron. On one hand side, it's got the owl and eight dolphins. And on the other, it's got um, Athena, the goddess of wisdom of the Greeks. So she... She comes to be a fusion of the soul, which is the beauty that could make this, and the gold of the earth, and to be a reservoir here. 
Hopefully, she'll never need to be sold or translated into dollars. And there's another one that comes with her, which is a beautiful goddess with eagles. So I wanted to pass them around. Please don't touch the coin, the one in there. Where is, where's the coin gone in there? Yeah, please don't touch it because <laughs> it's worth about 120,000 US and it goes down about 5,000 every time you touch it, evidently. But you're a coin person and you understand that. But just, just be aware of the value. Look, but don't touch. Uh, but feel the abundance of the way that the universe, when you're standing for sole purpose, already has the resources you need and they're already starting to move towards you when you stand. And that the more you stand, the more they will come. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the value and appreciation and interest of Venus have to do with whether your soul is able to go deep enough into matter that you can call on the resources of matter to support your soul purpose. So the two great powers of linking, remember I said, as a soul, you have the right to inheritance. Okay, And one of the big things that's happening in the world is Billions and billions of dollars of changing hands as we speak from one generation to the next. It's like it's the, ma the most massive transfer of wealth in the world is happening right now. So it's shifting from the hands of body minds that have grown up in an age and a time when children should be seen, not heard, where the poverty of war and the, you know, you can't blame our ancestors for gripping resources. But one of the tragedies of the world is like countries now, like America, that supposedly have the wealth of the world, people are more afraid and more driven by security needs than just about anywhere else. I've spent time with starving children in Africa, and they're happier than most of the Americans I met, you know, chasing their dollar. And it's not all over the, the, um, the continent, because there's amazing people there as well, but it's a systemic crush of the soul. And that crush is going to be broken over the next decade. So if we are wanting to be in advance of that, we have to break that crush in ourselves. And part of breaking it in ourselves is being truly honest with our relationship with money. Not from a good-bad place, because it doesn't matter, but just from an honest place. Like, what truly is my relationship with money? And, and how, how much is that actually able to flow? in my own world? And do I trust that if I use it as a hypothesis, that I start to really deeply use the resources that I have for the purpose of my soul, do I trust that that may actually increase the flow? And my experience, like I, I, I'm, I can tell you by making an experiment of my own life that that, that worked. What worked for me was not all of the ways that money then came into my hands, because they came into my hands in many ways. But what worked was my will to put all of the resources that I had in alignment with my sole purpose. That's what worked. But the mind wants to figure out, wow, what's the strategy? What's the way? 
And you have to look at the part of the mind that says, well, I would be fully living my sole purpose, but I just, something, something external. I haven't got enough money, I haven't got enough intelligence, I don't have a relationship, something. And the keynote of power, of really the use of soul power, is what they call Agni Yoga, the yoga of fire, and that's based on there are no external circumstances that can defeat the human spirit. There are no external circumstances that can defeat the human spirit. So if your soul stands for its purpose and its power with fullness and completeness, there are no external circumstances that can defeat that. That's no guarantee that you won't starve to death. But it means that your spirit will not be destroyed. And the spirit is that thrill that we were talking about the other day. It is that energy of exhilaration where your being knows you're standing for something and you're in the great adventure of your life and you have no fucking idea how it's going to work out, but you're thrilled. The electric lightning is coming through you. You're supported by great forces you have no idea about. So making that journey is something that we can also do together. We can support each other to do together. And, you know, my hope is that trainings like this mean that, you know, if you go to Harvard or somewhere else, then you have people who support you into the world for the rest of your life, you know, and the business deals and so on. What initiation mystery schools is about is people whose souls are so deeply connected to each other's journeys and they understand what it's like to stand in your power and call forth the resources from your inheritance, the cosmic lightning that comes to support a planet when souls stand for the whole, the power of the Earth Kundalini that's waiting underneath there for people to be loving enough and brave enough and powerful enough to call on her, and go out in the world and maybe fail. Like there's no guarantee that your body-mind is going to make it and be successful and whatever, but your soul will never have true peace or will never truly rest unless you give it a go. So everybody's got their own journey with that. Everyone's got their own speed, their own time, their own unfoldment during their life. But kind of everyone's here because that thrill called them somewhere. And we can support each other in that place. We can support each other in that journey. So let's just take a moment now to, to maybe in groups of three, just share for a little bit what your relationship is with between your soul and your money. What's that relationship? 